This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. Okay, you guys, I am so excited for today's episode. I promise Every single one of you needs to hear it. We are talking about my favorite topic, which is dating anxiety. And to help me, I have brought in an expert, a professional, Lillian Rishti. Lillian is a licensed clinical social worker in New York and New Jersey. She is, it gets better, ready? A certified anxiety specialist, which is everything and more we need. We need her. We need her right now. And she is also certified in eating disorder intuitive therapy. She is at the NYC therapy group. They are currently accepting new clients. So if you have been looking for a therapist, if you are struggling in any aspect of your life, if you want to get to know yourself better and work on yourself, even if you just want someone to talk to, therapy is amazing. So check them out. I have everything linked in the show notes. And we're going to talk about dating anxiety and anxiety at every single step in the dating process today. This is such an important episode, one that I know you guys need to hear. And she has so many good tips and tricks to really try and like calm your anxiety and take back your dating life and feel good and have fun while dating. So let's get into it. I'm so excited. Let's do it. All right. And we are here with Lillian Rishti. Lillian, welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited to have you because the number one thing that the Seeing Other People listeners struggle with is anxiety. And you are a certified anxiety specialist, which means everybody listening to this wants to have you in their back pocket at all times. (laughs) I'm curious what led you to want to become an anxiety specialist amongst all of the things you do as a licensed clinical social worker. So I think... Almost everybody has some degree of anxiety at some point in their life. So it's something that will help anybody that comes into my office. You know, I do work with a lot of other things, but the common ground for every single one of my clients is anxiety. Um, I've also dealt with it myself in my own life. There have been times where I really, really struggled with it, where it was debilitating and learning more about it and learning how to treat it 
actually helped me treat my own anxiety in a lot of ways. And I just have a better understanding of it and I can empathize with people who are dealing with it. Like some people might say, oh, just get over it, just calm down. But unless you've really dealt with it and know what it's like, it's yeah. very hard to understand. I don't think there's anything worse than feeling anxious and someone saying like, everything's fine. Like you're right. fine. Don't, there's nothing to worry about. It's like, okay, I understand that, but that doesn't make me stop feeling this way. Right. Logically, I know there's nothing to worry about, but it doesn't, I still feel it. Yeah. Why is that? Big <laughs> loaded question here. Right. Um, but I think kind of setting the stage, like why do we get anxiety? Like where does that come from is a really good way to kind of start this conversation. So it can come from a lot of places, um, just like your history and growing up. Some of it is like a genetic, there's a genetic component, um, you know, anxiety being modeled for you growing up. If you have an anxious parent who you see being anxious all the time, they teach you that there are certain things that you should be afraid of when maybe there really isn't. Um, some of it you feel a lot in your body. So deep breathing and working on those types of things helps a lot with treating anxiety but it really can come from a lot of different places. And it's not about logic. Again, yeah. understand logically that it's not something to be afraid of, but you still feel it. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about it is like, for those of us who have anxiety, it's not just like we're anxious about one thing, or maybe we are, but then we cross another bridge in our lives and that anxiety ends up manifesting itself in a different way. And so there's not just like, one thing. It's like, okay, I learned how to manage my anxiety with test taking. That's it. I'm good. I'll be fine forever now. No more anxiety. It's like, no, then you go on and do this other thing and it's there and you have to learn how to manage it in a different way. And I think with dating, what a lot of us miss is that managing it part. You know, no, people don't often search for, okay, what are tools that I can use to actually maybe make myself feel better, self-soothe, like control or manage my anxiety so that I feel better throughout this process. And it's frustrating because dating is something that at the end of the day, it should be a fun and pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. But we all know how painful it can be. And, and I think a lot of that comes from the anxiety that we feel and the way we overthink and the stories we start to tell ourselves. ourselves right. I agree. And there's so much that's out of your control. So, you know, you can't respond, figure out how the other person's going to respond to things, but you can control yourself and you can control how you choose to feel and how you choose to take certain things. So sometimes that's the only thing you can do is focus on those tools to make yourself feel better. Yeah. I'm curious, the clients that you have, is there a specific aspect of dating that you see them struggling with the most when it comes to anxiety? a good question um it's really there's room for anxiety every single step of the way and it depends yeah, yeah. on what type of anxiety <laughs> yeah. the person has like sometimes it's social anxiety based sometimes it's just general anxiety sometimes there's a specific phobia involved um it really depends but probably the most common thing is the anxiety post-date <sighs> yep that is that is where I made myself at home when I was single was the second I would finish a date, the second I would get out of the Uber or walk away from the restaurant or the bar. If I had even an ounce of feelings for them, that's when I would just start to spiral. The whole date was great. Literally nothing to worry about. So confident that it went well. The second it's over, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. And you're putting yourself out there. There's the potential to be hurt. So it makes sense that you would focus on that potential threat. But I think something that helps is doing the opposite of that, focusing on everything else you have going on in your life. Yeah, I think that's huge. A lot of people really get caught up in like, okay, I'm dating. I'm trying to find my person. Like, that's it. Like, if I'm single, like I'm single, you know, we like kind of define ourselves by our relationship status. And it's like, okay, well, I'm single. That's a problem. I need to fix that. And now here I am trying to date and there are all these things getting in the way of that and making me feel like I'm unworthy of being in a relationship because I'm still single and I'm struggling with it. And now I went on this date and I like this person. And what if they don't like me back? And what if I don't see them again? Then I'm going to be single forever. 
Right. It's a lot of that catastrophizing and spiraling out of control and taking it from one thing and making it into something else. Exactly. Okay. I want to take a step back and start with kind of go through the dating process and talk about the different anxieties we feel. We'll go right back to that post-date anxiety. But I want to start with first dating app anxiety because there is definitely a lot of that out there. You know, I hear people saying they're just afraid to be on dating apps in general because they don't feel confident in how they look and they're afraid of being rejected based on just their photos. I hear people saying that they're anxious about having small talk with somebody on dating apps. So obviously dating apps are a huge part of modern dating. How can people feel maybe a little more comfortable or a little more safe putting themselves out there on an app? Um, It's a great question. And I think we need to be thankful for the apps. I think they allow people with anxiety to do things that they might not have done otherwise. And it also takes out some of that unpredictability that was there with modern dating. I mean, with traditional dating, like there was a lot of uncertainty and here you kind of know what you're getting and you should take comfort in that. Um, And they're also not so great because it allows you to spend time thinking about what perfect picture to put or what to respond to every message. And maybe in the short term, that's really good and calming and it makes you feel in control. But in the long term, it really just fuels your anxiety. Um, So there are ways that it's good and ways that it's bad. But I think something that helps is limits, like reducing the time that you're spending on the apps, checking in with yourself, whether you have anxiety or not. Just say, like, what am I getting out of this? Do I feel good about it? Am I burnt out? Um, That's very common. And really just like limiting the amount of time that you're spending and also being aware of the amount of time spending during each step. So the time that you spend swiping, the time that you spend talking to people, sometimes for people who are socially anxious, they feel comfortable. They got in the groove of having a conversation with someone, but they can't necessarily take it to the next step. So you want to put that limit on yourself too. Like, okay, don't talk to anybody for more than three weeks until you make it like you have to make a date after that. Yeah. I would even go as far to say sooner because the more comfortable you get just hiding behind your screen, the the more scary it's going to feel. And the more likely you are to set yourself up for disappointment where at that point you've built this idea in your head of who this person is and the connection that you have. And I feel like the times I was most disappointed in my dating life were when I had this like insane, like textual chemistry with somebody. And then we met in person. And in the first five minutes, I was like, oh my God, like there is nothing here. Right. And it's confusing. You guys know that I struggle with confidence. I'm always my biggest critic. And when I notice something about myself that I don't like, I can't stop fixating on it. I'm working on all of this, but it can be hard. A year ago, I noticed that my hair was thinning and I was finding more and more strands of hair on the floor every time I would walk around my apartment. When I would look down in the shower, I would freak out at what I saw in the drain. That's when I opened up to my best friend who happens to be a doctor. And she said two things that changed my life. The first was that she knows so many women our age going through the same thing. The second is that she told me to try Nutrafol. And so I did. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. A year later and a month before my wedding, and I cannot believe the number of people who have been complimenting how long, strong, and healthy my hair looks. I never imagined that this would happen. And naturally, as a result, my confidence has transformed. I'm no longer self-conscious when it comes to my hair. And honestly, that is a huge, huge, huge personal win for me. And you guys know I'm hilariously bad at sticking with habits and taking something every day or doing something every day. But with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online with no prescription required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure that you'll never miss a day. You'll see results in three to six months. And trust me, it is worth the wait. You can start so easily by taking their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering the Seeing Other People family 10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. Brave the uncomfortable. 
Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive-compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned in therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone, presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from, and if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And you're <laughs> right. It should be sooner. That was just a random example. Yeah. Um, I think avoidance really fuels anxiety. It yeah. convinces you that there's something to actually be afraid of. Yeah. Totally. And and there's not, because what's the worst that's going to happen? You talk to somebody for a little while on a nap, you meet them, you're either going to want to see each other again. Or not. Or not. Or one of you wants to see each other again, the other doesn't. Sucks. But guess what? It was one date. Like, you don't have real feelings for somebody at this point. Right. You're going to be okay. Right. You'll right. go on another date with somebody else. It's going to be okay. I, I love your point you made about limiting your time in, in each stage. I think we really back ourselves into a corner where we feel terrible about ourselves if we are spending all of our time swiping on people and then like not getting what we want out of it. And even just swiping on people in general, it's like almost like it's like demoralizing. It's like, well, people are doing that to you too. And like, you're just sitting on the toilet or sitting in your bed, like half paying attention, not really caring. Oh my God, there's so many people out there and I can't find one. It's not good. Like there's nothing good that's going to come out of spending more than like 10 or 15 minutes a day on a dating app. Right. I agree completely. And again, like spending all of that time on it and putting so much thought and so much effort into it and so much weight on it can really make you more anxious. Like you're spending the time picking the photos and coming up with the responses. But then if you don't 
get the likes or the swipes, then it's so much more of a letdown because you're thinking if somebody is not liking this perfect curated idealized version of me, how is anybody going to like me in real life? Exactly. I, I feel like we always end up asking ourselves like, what's wrong with me throughout the dating process? I'm curious if, if you can kind of pinpoint any reason why like that's what we jump to. I think for a lot of people, our self-esteem and self-confidence is just so fragile. Yeah. And again, like this is about vulnerability and putting yourself out there. Um, so I think all we could really do is lean into that vulnerability. Like know that this is part of the process. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're connecting, you're being vulnerable as opposed to being afraid of putting yourself out there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the person that you want to be with is the person that likes you for you. And you're not going to find that if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not being vulnerable, if you're not giving yourself an authentic, real opportunity to find that person and for them to find you. Forever. (laughs) At some point, it's going to come out. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's say we get to, you know, match with somebody hitting it off and you plan a date and then, oh my God, we're going on a date with this person panic sets in. What if they're not attracted to me? What if I had to say the wrong thing? What if I'm not funny enough? Like, what if I spill? I think there's a lot of anxiety that comes with the actual date itself. And I have listeners say all the time, like, I was really excited, like, but then we planned a date. And now I'm in such a panic. And I'm so terrified to go on this date. And how do we kind of talk ourselves off of that ledge of like this date itself? It's actually not the end of the world. Right. Um, Again, it doesn't mean the world. Don't put that much pressure on it. Realize that they're probably just as nervous as you are, if not more nervous. Like you're not just there to impress them. They're also trying to impress you. You should feel like, okay, you're the bachelorette here and everybody is trying to win you over. Um, So your date is trying to do that for you. It's not just the other way around. Um, And there are things like just deep breathing before a date that helps a lot, I think, like just calming your body helps to calm your mind. Um, Focus on common ground. People who are socially anxious, they want to feel calmer. And another way to do that is to focus on something that you have in common. You like the Jonas Brothers, he likes the Jonas Brothers. Okay, let me focus on that going into Mm -hmm. it. This is something I know. Yeah. Um, And reducing uncertainty in general, like do something that you know. So maybe suggest a bar that you've been to 10 times. So you don't have to worry, okay, what is the noise like? Where am I going to sit? What am I going to order? Like you want to feel like you're in control of at least something. So sometimes that helps. Yeah. I love that suggestion. I think feeling familiar and comfortable with the place. And even if it's a place you haven't been to before, because they suggested it and you haven't been to that part of, like you don't live near their part of town or wherever the place is like look it up online see what it looks like read reviews look at the menu especially like a lot of people have sensitivities around food so figure out like okay what is it that I feel comfortable ordering let me like go into it now and kind of dive into the menu see what makes sense for me so I can walk in confidently know what I'm going to do I don't have to like stress about it in the moment right it takes away a lot of those what if thoughts. And yeah. I have a general rule about what if thoughts. You're not allowed to have them. You have to kind of get rid of them every time you say, Ow. <laughs> well, it's a process, but every time you find yourself saying, what if that's a thought that you should not have, it's not productive. Yeah. Cause you could, you could sit there and say, what if all day long? Right. And I, I've done it. I do it <laughs> even now. Yeah. I I love what you brought up about like, realizing that they are probably feeling the same way. Like they also want to win you over. They also want to have a good time. They might be just as nervous as you are. And one thing that I think is actually really cool to do, and I've started trying to, you know, put this into practice in my own life is like, if I'm feeling anxious or nervous about something, why not try and actually be open about that? Because chances are, I'm not the only one in the room feeling that way, or I'm not the only one who has felt that way in that situation. And if anything, it just makes me more human. Even if they don't feel that way, it's still, it's like, okay, well, maybe they can say something reassuring or calming back to me that will then make me feel more settled. It's like, you don't have to hide the fact that you're anxious. You can get there on a first date and be like, oh, like I'm nervous. I haven't been on a first date in a while. Or like, yeah, I just like get anxious before first date. So like today was a wash at work. What about you? Right. I think it does make you human and likable. Yeah. And it, and it gives them an opportunity to open up back to you. Yes. 
Yeah. So again, they are probably feeling just as nervous. Yeah. Nobody gets through the dating process without anxiety or nerves somewhere along the way. Nobody, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter how many dates you've been on in your life, everybody's going to have something come up for them at some point. So I don't think anybody would ever judge someone for being anxious or nervous on a date. Right. And if they do, they're not for you. Bye. See ya. (laughs) Don't let the door hit you on the way out or do. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Back to the after the date. How can we try and control some of the thoughts in our heads about fears of what if it doesn't work out or, oh, I did have a connection with this person and now I like need them to want to see me again? Because in the moment, like I've felt like, oh my God, I'm literally going to die if I don't see this person again. And that is just not true. But I know people feel that every single day and you know, some of my friends, some of my listeners, like I'm trying to talk them through it. And I know that nothing I say is actually going to help. Right. Right. I think sometimes it does help. You hope that it does. (laughs) But sometimes, again, like your thoughts are just kind of out of control and you just have to kind of let them come, let yourself feel them. Some of these thoughts are very normal to have. You know, it's okay. You obviously don't want to feel that way, but it's good to keep in mind you don't want to surrender your mood to somebody that you met a week ago. So not hearing from them, you're panicking, you're feeling upset, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, and then you hear from them, you get the text, and then you feel calm and you feel good, and then it takes them a long time to answer, and then you feel bad again. And really, this person is having so much control over your mood. So I think you kind of have to put it in a box, put it away, and again, focus on the rest of your life. Focus on the other things that are going on. Yeah, like what did they do to earn that much control over your feelings? Right. Nothing. They showed up on a date, sat there for two hours, had a drink or two, talked about their life story that they've told a million other people and like maybe kissed you at the end of the night. And suddenly they get to their their response or lack of response or texting cadence dictates your worth. Like it's crazy that we let that happen, but we do. And we're all guilty of it. I don't know anybody who hasn't felt anxious because of someone's like texting or someone's not jumping to ask them on another date. Right. I think also in the early stages, you have to remind yourself that you don't necessarily know their texting style yet. So if somebody didn't answer you throughout the whole workday, you might be basing that on the last person you dated and thinking, oh my God, he hates me. But that might not be the case. It might just be this person's style to not respond during the day. Yeah. And they might not know that they're making you feel that way. Right. Like I've, I've seen people get to like dates five, six, seven, and they're still feeling so anxious about this other person's texting cadence. But it's like, I, at this point, like this person is investing their time and energy into getting to know you. Like they probably like you at least a little bit. They definitely don't want you to feel this way. And they also have no idea that you're feeling this way. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin-D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin-D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin-D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure 
pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across. And I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Exactly. I think we overthink it and we overanalyze and we put ourselves into detective mode. Like, what does this mean? I think you sometimes also have to take things for face value. He said he had a good time. He had a good time. (laughs) Yeah. At what point do you kind of balance like a, okay, I'm giving this person the benefit of the doubt because I should, but they haven't answered in a while and maybe things are starting to take a turn. Cause I think there's, it's difficult when you try and, and like self-soothe and say like, okay, it's okay. Like they said they had a good time. I'm taking that at face value. Like, but we don't have plans yet. Or like we do have, whatever it is, it's like, but they're not answering. And if they liked me, maybe they would be texting me more. Because sometimes, you know, we can try and and talk ourselves off that ledge, like, as much as possible, and and we can make it work and feel better. But then they actually aren't interested. And their lack of texting was that sign that they weren't. Right. I think this is one of the hardest things. And it's something that I've struggled with in my own dating of just do I give the benefit of the doubt? Or am I like just standing for things that I shouldn't be standing for? Um. But I think you should notice that if, it, if it's a pattern. So it might happen once where he doesn't respond or he cancels on you or he's a little cold or whatever it is. But if it happens again and again and again and you continue to not feel great about it and maybe you communicate it and still no response, then it's something to be worried about. Yeah. But, you know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, at least in the beginning. Um, you know, if it's a one time thing that he didn't respond right away benefit of the doubt he's busy yeah yeah I think it's important to understand like we're all people with lives and like dating is not the only thing that we're doing but also like if somebody tells you something listen to them yes yeah. I like that yeah okay <laughs> next phase what happens or how can we manage our anxiety when, you know, we're past the first date, we're past maybe like third, fourth, fifth, whatever date number. And we're starting to have real feelings for somebody. But we are terrified going back to kind of what we talked about in the beginning, it all comes from this like fear of getting hurt. Right. So I think recognize that it's normal, early in a relationship, it's normal to be scared. And it could be coming from a variety of different places. And it helps to figure out where it's coming from. Is it coming from your insecure attachment style or something that happened with an ex? Or is it coming from the fear of being hurt or wondering, do their feelings match yours? Is it coming from, I don't know if we're actually compatible. What is this going to be? It could be coming from a variety of places and it helps to figure out where it's coming from. And again, like I think anxiety and excitement that you feel sometimes feels a little bit similar. Like your heart is racing and you have butterflies in your stomach from the excitement, but that can also feel like anxiety. So it kind of all blurs together. Um, But again, like trying to figure out where it comes from is very helpful. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's something I see a lot, especially after like early dates where like, oh my God, like we hit it off so much and we had so much to talk about and like, I'm so excited or like, I'm so like, I feel like those blur together so much. And sometimes you might think that like you have these butterflies, but they're actually a sign that like, okay, maybe this isn't something good. And it really is your anxiety, like in your gut saying like, beware. Right. Warning. Yeah. What do you think? Like, are there, is there anything you can do to try and differentiate those two feelings? Between feeling anxious and feeling like excited. excited yeah. Should be afraid. Um, I think that there are, and I think part of it is knowing yourself So if you're somebody who's anxious all the time, you're anxious no matter what, your anxiety is moderate to severe, then sometimes you can't even trust those feelings because it's not actually a sign that something's wrong. It's just you're anxious and that's you. Um, So a person like that should know themselves and know 
you know, that might always be how they feel. But if you're somebody with kind of mild anxiety who gets it here and there, then it probably is a sign that there's something off. You know, it's a red flag maybe early in dating when you're feeling so anxious and you're just not feeling good about it. Yeah, that's something that I experienced a lot and I see it happen all the time where it's like, okay, well, I'm feeling this way, but it's because I care. It's because I don't want this to like go wrong. It's because I really feel like there's something here. It's like, but if you are having like crippling anxiety and you did not feel this way before you met this person, they are not the right person for you. It should not feel this uncomfortable and this foreign and this stressful and scary. I'm a firm believer that even if you do have anxiety, when you meet the right person, you'll actually feel at ease. Yes. And that's what I felt when I met my fiance. And it was really confusing for me to feel like, so, oh my God, what's happening? Like, this is so easy. Like part of me started to question, like, maybe I don't like him that much because I'm not freaking out and in a panic all the time. Right. Why am I so calm? Why? Yeah. Is that maybe because it's right. Maybe because yeah. there's something good here. Yeah. So I think it's really important to pay attention to like how if your anxiety or your amount of anxiety or how often you feel anxious is changing based on the people you meet. And yeah. I think, you know, maybe you might not be able to tell yourself, but like, obviously it's great to be in therapy. So your therapist can point that out to you or even for anyone listening, if, if you see your friends going through this where suddenly they're like more anxious, spiraling out of control, maybe say to them like, okay, listen, like I love you and I know you really like this person, but I don't think they're bringing out the best side of you. And I don't know that like this is the right person for you because you shouldn't be feeling this way. You should be feeling calm and happy and, and excited and safe. Right. Right. You know yourself, you know your friends, you can definitely point it out. And you shouldn't, I hate to use the word should, but you shouldn't be feeling that way. It yeah. should be easy and calming. Yeah. It should be fun. Yes. <laughs> it should. Like, I really want to like drive on this narrative, like dating should not have to be this terrible. Right. Right. We all have to do it if we want something out of it and you might as well have fun. Exactly. Okay. What about anxiety surrounding rejection? Because obviously, listen, like there's not a single person on the planet who has never been rejected in their lives, whether in a dating sense and career, just any, any way. But that doesn't make it less scary. That doesn't make us feel any less like we have something to lose. But sometimes it's literally out of our control. Like not everybody's going to like us. We're not going to like everyone. But it can feel so much like a loss and so personal, especially, you know, depending on what you've already been through. So how can people kind of navigate that anxiety surrounding rejection, no matter the stage in the dating process? Right. And I think you're right. Everybody's been rejected and it always hurts. Even if you go on a date and you don't even like the person and then they reject you, that still stings. It doesn't feel good. And I think rejection is often rooted in this underlying fear of not being good enough. And it really hits a nerve in that sense. So the best thing that you can do is to work on your own confidence and your own self-esteem. And this way it won't hurt as badly. It won't be so catastrophic if one person doesn't want to go on a date with you or one person doesn't want to continue seeing you. It's okay because you feel good about yourself and you know that it's not necessarily about something that you did wrong or you not being good enough. It could also just be, you know, a million other factors. Yeah. Like it's okay. If someone's just not that into you, right. it's okay. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Like think about how often you go on a date and you just aren't obsessed with the other person and like, don't see yourself like having a future with them, but they're a great person. And sometimes, like, I feel like there were so many dates I went on where I'm like, wow, this person's so great. Like, I wish I Mm -hmm. felt that for them. For some reason, I don't. But they are so awesome. And whoever ends up with them is going to be so lucky. Like, so many people might feel that way about you. Doesn't mean you're not deserving of love. Doesn't mean you're not good enough. You're just not the one for them. And that's okay. Right. Happens all the time. And your person's still out there. 
How exciting is that? That is exciting. And you're right. It doesn't have to be so personal. It doesn't have to be there's something wrong with you. Yeah, because there's not. You're great. And you will find your person. Okay. I have some listener questions that I am very excited for you to help me answer. I think these are very relatable and and ones that you'll have a lot of insight to. So let's get into it. What to do when your friends complain to you about how they haven't achieved some relationship milestones yet, like living together or having kids. Meanwhile, you're still single looking for a decent partner after some bad experiences. I want my friends to be open about how they're doing, but I wish they put more thought into their words. Also, over-focusing on milestones seems old-fashioned. I hear their point that it could be old-fashioned, but it is important to some people. So I think it's good to validate that. And it sounds like this person is just trying to be a supportive friend, but she's struggling a little bit in her own life. So you can also communicate that to your friends and say you're really, you're there for them and you care and you want to hear these things, but you want them to also be a little bit more sensitive to what you're going through. And if it's a real friend, you should be able to say these things to them. For the friend on the opposite side, on the receiving end of this, like, hey, this is a little sensitive for me because X, Y, Z, I feel like I would, if somebody said that to me, I would totally understand. I'd be really glad that they came to me and said that because I wouldn't, my intention is not to make them feel that way. But I would also then not know how to proceed. I feel like I would be walking on eggshells about like, okay, well, now these topics are off limits topics to them. I can't talk about these things. But they don't, totally want me to like close that like I feel like that's a really tricky situation to navigate where it could always like be very easily misinterpreted right and it is a hard balance to strike again if they want you to share with them but it still hurts and even for them it might be hard to figure out what exactly they want what they want to hear and what they don't want to hear so for you it's even harder um you know you want to make them happy you care but I think being able to filter out, you know, you don't want to be walking on eggshells, but you want to be conscious of the things that you're saying. So maybe you share happy things and major points and a fight that you have and like things that are going on, but you're not complaining so much about the day to day and how hard it is for you when they feel like it's so much harder for them. You know, maybe there's somebody else that you can complain to about those things like milestones. Yeah. I think also taking an active interest in their dating lives. If, if this friend in particular, like is like their stress point is that they are single and their friends are not like actively like check in on them and ask if they need like a wing woman for going out or something like that. I think that can also help alleviate some of that tension. I feel like this is something that I, like, I, I think I'm, I'm thinking a lot about this question because one of my like best, best, best friends is single but everyone else in my world is in relationships and, you know, I'm planning this wedding and I do go to her a lot about like wedding planning stressors, but I don't ever want her to feel like burdened by that or like, well, like Alana's stressed about this, but I don't even have my person yet. Like I can't go on and find a guy I like. So I think that's why I'm kind of caught on to this one. And I think it's just very relatable because so many people are in that situation where they're, they're the only single one in the friend group or all their friends are single and they're in a relationship. And there is that slight disconnect and, and wanting everyone to feel valued and respected, but also wanting to like vent about your own shit. Right. And you need to be able to vent if it's your yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, and we shouldn't assume that the friend feels this way. It could be, you know, I was single at a time where a lot of friends were married and relationships, getting married. Um, And I didn't necessarily feel any kind of jealousy or any hurt feelings when they talked about these things. Like I was happy for them. It was nice to experience it through them. And I know that not everybody feels that way, but sometimes your friends do. Yeah. And again, like it's important to check in on them, on their lives, what's going on with them. It shouldn't be all about you. And I think sometimes people who are single feel like the people who are in relationships or getting married, feel superior to them. Mm -hmm. And it's important to make that clear almost that you're not better than them just because you're engaged and they're not. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. Okay. Next question. 
how to truly accept a future alone and be genuinely happy being single. I've tried dating so many times and no matter what changes I make, I'm still not good enough for anyone and I get rejected. I don't know how to switch off the part of my brain that wants to share my life with someone, but I know I need to for my mental health as it's a really dark place to be. Okay. Um, I think this person is trying to do maybe what's right by accepting that she'll be alone forever. But I also think that's her way of protecting herself because she clearly wants to be in a relationship. And I have a big problem with that line. I'm not good enough for anybody. I think that's what she needs to deal with first. Mm -hmm. Um, Working on that, working on her own self-esteem, it might make her take a different approach to dating. Um, And I think most people who want to find somebody eventually do. Yeah, I think so too. And I think I like, I'm a firm believer there's somebody for everybody and yeah, some people get really lucky and meet. like I have friends who the first person they went on a date with from a dating app mm-hmm. is the person they're with forever. And I'm like, wow, I hate you. But like, it's luck of the draw. And then I have other friends who have been on apps dating for like 10, 15 years and they still haven't found their person. There's nothing wrong with them does not mean they're not good enough. And you are not the only person who is out there trying and trying and trying again and having it not pan out. But you have to remember there are all of these like really amazing parts of you and your dating life, your relationship status is just one thing. It does not define you. And this person maybe shouldn't try to accept that they'll be alone forever, but maybe she can accept that she's single for right now. Yeah. That should be the goal. Yeah. I think that's a, I really like that take. Okay. I routinely date outside of my religion. I've had people in the past cite religious differences as the reason why we shouldn't go out again, which is totally fine. However, in every one of these instances, we had never discussed religion other than the basics of what you would discuss in the first two or three dates. We hadn't discussed personal faith or beliefs. I'm sure there have been times where religion is just their way of saying they weren't into me, which again is totally fine. Their loss but it's frustrating feeling like I'm being judged by societal stereotypes. How or when is the best time to bring up your personal faith and how slash when does it differ and how, when it differs from your religion? Okay. Um, I think you have to feel, feel out the situation. I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule here. I think you have to kind of gauge what you're comfortable with. And I think that goes for everything that you're discussing. You're not going to lay it all out there on a first date but you're becoming increasingly, increasingly vulnerable over time. So maybe you mention your religion in a first date or you talk about it more in a second date. And as you go, you're going to talk more deeply about it, more intensely about it, and hopefully get a sense of what's important to you, what's important to them. Yeah. I also think if, if you know, this person started by saying, like, I routinely date outside of my religion and people cite religious differences as the reason why we shouldn't go out again. I'm curious what happens when you try dating inside your religion, or if there's a reason that you're not. Um, Obviously, you should be able to date whoever you want. And it shouldn't matter. But I would be really curious to see what would happen or what has happened in those situations where you're dating within your religion. Um, I think also, like specific things, if if you're afraid of, you know, people using this as an excuse, or like it coming up and that not feeling comfortable about it or okay about it, I'm wondering if you do or don't have it on your dating app profile. Right. Because sometimes we try and take, we try and not put things out there that are important to us or that we value or that represent us because we think we might get judged for it. But people are going to find that out anyway. And you'd rather spend your time investing in people who already know and are okay with it. Right. I have the same question. Like, don't they know this in advance? Doesn't this guy potentially know going into it? Okay, it says on her profile that she's Jewish and that's not something I'm interested Mm -hmm. in. Um, So why is he going out with her in the first place? So I think it is important to lay that all out there in the beginning, if it's especially for this person who feels like it's a pattern. Exactly, I agree. All right, last one. How to tell if this is just a rough patch that you can work out or if they're just not for you and it should be ended? Okay, I need a lot more information there. Um, I think it helps to talk about it. Talk about it with your therapist. Talk about it with a friend, your support system, whoever that is. Um, Sometimes people can give you insight that you just don't see yourself. 
um, how long is the rough patch? How rough is the rough patch? How rough? (laughs) Somebody could tell me I've been in a rough patch with my boyfriend and we've been together for 10 months. How long is the rough patch? Nine months. I think that's more than that. Um, Or if you're in a rough patch three months in, what, what is there to be rough patchy three months in? It shouldn't be that hard, especially in the beginning. Right. And is it just not perfect or not the way that you pictured in your head or are you unhappy? Yeah. A lot of questions to ask yourself, a lot of questions to maybe ask them. Um, But yeah, I think communicating is the best thing you can do. And and maybe the rough patch is actually stemming from a lack of communication or miscommunication. Is there something there? Also, if, if you do see that there is a potential future and you want to make it work, Couples therapy, dun, dun, dun. come on down. Yes, exactly. And couples therapy isn't just for people who are really struggling or about right. to break up or about to get divorced. It could be something that you do at any time in a relationship. Absolutely. It can help you build communication skills so that you don't get into the roughest of rough exactly. patches. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Okay. My last question for you and my favorite question to ask, what is the best piece of dating or relationship advice that you've ever received or have to give? It's a great question. Um, I would say don't overthink it. Like when you're dating, don't overthink every single text. Don't overthink, what should I say? Should I text twice? Should I not text twice? Should I wait one hour? Should I wait three hours? Should I wear the red shirt on the date or the blue shirt on the date? Like there are so many things that you can overthink. Mm-hmm. And if you just have that motto of just don't overthink it, don't overthink it, it yeah. could help you a lot through the process. I think so too. And I think we also like, get caught up in overthinking the fact that we're overthinking. Yes. Take a step back. Don't overthink it. Right. It's that meta anxiety. I'm anxious about the fact that I'm anxious. Exactly. Lillian, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you and anything you want to shout out? You can find me on my website, nyctherapygroup.com or Instagram, nyctherapygroup. Um, we're taking new clients. So ding, <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> Amazing. I will have all of that link to thank you again so much. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people. Mads, I am obsessed with our brand pillars. You mean vagina sweat, good branding, and being Jewish-blooded queens, Scout? Uh, sure, but not quite. I love that OKSIS podcast and our sisterhood is made up of women who are down for main character energy only, who take care of their mental health, and who are standing in their personal power as entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. That too, Scout. That too. We should probably introduce ourselves. Hello, everyone. I am Mads. And I am Scout. And we are sisters IRL. Join us on OKSIS Podcast every Monday for some sisterly banter, nourishing mental health, a whole lot of silliness, and inspiring interviews from the raddest female guests in the game. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood!